Lord, we do thank you again for the word of God, for the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the life of God flowing in us, and we thank you, Lord, for all that has been done this morning already, and we thank you for all that you're going to do. You are a good God, and you're at work in our lives, at work in the earth, and we thank you that you have commissioned us to go and to do, to go and to tell, to go and to minister life, to serve, to give, and we do it, Father, in your name. We do it in your name. Amen? In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning I was preparing for uh, the service, and uh, the Lord just spoke this to me very plainly, uh, that he wanted me to preach on the blood of Jesus. And I haven't done this in, I don't know, two and a half years. Um, So if you remember every single word that I said two and a half years ago, uh, I'm sorry. And if you don't, Praise God, you might hear something and it'll bless you. Amen. But uh, turn over to Hebrews chapter 12, if you would. And while you're, while you're in Hebrews chapter 12, um, once you get there, say, I got it. And then let's put her finger over in Genesis chapter 4. So Hebrews chapter 12, all right, and then Genesis chapter 4. Yeah? Praise God. It's good to be in the presence of the Lord this morning, isn't it? So we're going to talk to you this morning, and we're going to go rapid fire style, so you may want to get this CD or whatever, um, but we're going to give you a bunch of scripture, um, but I know the Lord told me to do it, and scripture doesn't hurt anybody. I'm proof of that. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 says, For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire into the blackness and darkness of the tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. He's talking about what happened in the Old Testament where the children of the Lord went before the mountain of God and the glory of God completely engulfed this mountain and there was just blackness and lightnings and thunderings and flashings. And the people said, "Uh, you go. Let us know what he said, bro. We'll stay here. Super spiritual people are always willing to go, right? Got awful quiet in this church. 20, it says, for they they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow because it was considered to be unholy. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of of the living God. Everybody say living God. You know he's alive and well. You've come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God and heavenly Jerusalem to an innumerable company of angels. I quote this verse all the time, so maybe you'll be like, hey, there it is. To the general assembly and to the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. 24, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant into the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Genesis chapter 4 gives us a story of the first family. And Eve and Adam have two sons. And we see that Abel gets himself killed because people were jealous over the offering and worship. Not a whole lot's changed since the very beginning. But Cain and jealousy... He wanted to cheat. Now, if I get off on this, I promise you I will not get anywhere near done. So I'm going to be real, real, real careful. 
Cain said, I'll do this thing however I want to. No one's going to tell me what to do. I'll do what I want, how I want to. And then over here, Abel's received of the Lord and blessed of the Lord and used of the Lord. And so Cain says, well, that's stupid. God doesn't love me and God doesn't receive me and God's not blessed of me. He's not putting me in the kingdom. He doesn't let me use the gifts of the Spirit. I don't seem to be growing in my faith. I mean, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. No, sorry, I got off track there. Anytime you do this thing the way you want to, you're going to get yourself into trouble. There is a system of structure and order, and God is not going to violate. This will help you. This may be one of the best things that will be said today. God will not violate a scripture to make another one come true for you. Your faith is not that strong. Your faith is not that big. Your faith is not that important. He will not go against his word just because you think that he should. Amen. So anyway... Cain kills Abel in Genesis chapter 4, verse 10, and it says, And he said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So the blood of Jesus Christ, according to Hebrews chapter 12, has a voice. Blood, according to Genesis chapter 4, has a voice. The blood is speaking to God. The blood is speaking to God through Abel. The blood is speaking to God through Jesus. I read a statistic, Pastor Dana, and I think Miss Feedy and I were up in the office. Mackenzie, I know, was there. And uh, I, I had a Right to Life pamphlet that was given to me. We've murdered more unborn babies than any soldier has died in all of our wars put together. I wonder if their blood's speaking. Innocent blood. Blood speaks. But the blood of Jesus Christ, praise God, according to Hebrews chapter 12, speaks to us. Romans chapter 5, the blood of Jesus Christ, let me give you eight things. The blood of Jesus Christ says you're justified. Everybody say, I'm justified. Now, if you're here this morning, or you may be streaming live watching this, or even watching this at a later date, and, and you have not received the gift of Jesus Christ, you're not justified. But you can be. Amen? It's very easy for you to be. But you may not be. You may be here this morning. I don't know everybody here. And you may not be justified by the blood of Jesus. But provision has been made. So I encourage you, even now at the very beginning, come to God and receive the work of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5, the Bible says in the sixth verse, For we were still, still without strength in due time. When we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates, say God demonstrates. God is a demonstrator. He's not sitting up there just idle and bored. God is doing. He's active. He's moving. He's demonstrating. Amen. This is the confidence that we have in him if we know that he hears us. He's listening. He's paying attention. Jeremiah says he's hastening and watching over and giving attention to his word for one reason, so he can perform it for you and for me. He's just not sitting up there bored and like, well, I'm God. I don't know what else to do. Just wait around here for 10,000 millennia. No, he's, he's actively pursuing people, drawing them to himself by the person of the Holy Spirit. He's given you and I words to speak that have come from the Holy Spirit, which has received instruction from Jesus. And God said, hey, say this. Hey, say this. Hey, say this now. 
Just read your book. It's a good book. It's really, 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 really life-changing. Amen? So, again, Romans chapter 5 and verse 7, scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for much, much more than having now, listen here, been justified, been past tense, justified, past tense, been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Pastor, do you believe that there's a rapture? Yes, I do. Do you believe that there's a tribulation? Duh. Do you believe that we're going to go before it? Of course. Well, how come? Because I shall be saved from wrath through him. What kind of wrath? All of it. Oh, really? All of it? Yeah, all of it. Even the ones in the end times? All of them. I'll I'll be saved from all wrath. Why? Because I've been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. So you are justified. If you're born again, say, I'm justified justified means acquitted now now they said back a while ago that if the glove don't fit you must acquit but this is a whole lot better than that because we're permanently and eternally permanently and eternally acquitted from our guilt permanently acquitted justified from our shame, from our sin. We're declared innocent by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have been justified by his blood. We're declared innocent before God. Amen. We're declared not guilty. We're declared justified by his blood. A total acquittal of your shame, of your guilt, of your wrongdoings. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Go over to Ephesians chapter 1. The second thing that the Word of God says to us is that we've been redeemed through His blood. Ephesians chapter 1, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. We're going in the middle there. Ephesians chapter 1. We'll start reading in the third verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every, say every, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined or predesigned or preplanned us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in Jesus. In him, verse 7, we have redemption through his blood. The blood of Jesus Christ speaks on your behalf, speaks on my behalf to God the Father. They're justified. They're redeemed. Amen? Amen. Justified, redeemed through his blood. That's the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. How? He's brought that revelation to us according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Now, you could read on through the rest of the whole entire book of Ephesians and you'd be doing good, but for the sake of time, we won't. So, again, the seventh verse, in whom, in him, through him, by whom, we have redemption from sin. Redemption from sin through his blood. The blood of Jesus is saying they're redeemed. If you're redeemed, say, I'm redeemed. Hey, man, I'm redeemed from the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb, I've been redeemed. Amen? Amen. Redemption is the payment that makes us free from sin. The payment that purchased for us salvation. So you say, well, redeemed with what? Turn over to 1 Peter real quick. We don't want to take a ton of time here. 1 Peter, we can see what we're redeemed with. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. 
I told you we were going to hit a lot of scriptures today. He says, therefore, gird up the lines of your mind and be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And it says, and then if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay. <laughs> I love the language that the Holy Spirit used. Act right while you're here. Conduct yourself during your time. You check into a hotel, there are rules. No one weren't aware of some of those rules. This weekend I went and did a wedding and they were just jumping up and down. And, but uh, they're rule, conduct yourselves worthy while you're here. Be good. Amen. Knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, that doesn't mean that if you have them, they'll corrupt you. It means that in time they will corrupt all by themselves. They'll rot and decay and corrode. Amen? You have been redeemed. You're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the tradition of your fathers, but you have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Amen? What were we redeemed from? Well, we know that we were redeemed from the curse of the law. Amen. We preached on the curse of the law and ministered that. And what we're redeemed to, Galatians chapter 3 again tells us in the 10th verse, he says, as many as you are under the works of the law, he goes on and talks about that, but we have been redeemed from the curse of the law, for it is written, cursed is any man who hangs on a tree. Why? That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentile through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. So we have been justified by the blood of Jesus, and it speaks justification to God on our behalf. We've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, redeemed from our sin, our shame, our guilt, our past, our sinful nature, our failures, all of our problems, all of our shortcomings redeemed. They're removed from us, justified. They're acquitted just as if we never had done any of them. Praise God. Amen. Turn over to Colossians chapter 1, the third thing I want you to see according to the Word of God is that we have been uh, given, according to Jesus' blood, peace. The Bible says, so here's this idea that God is angry with me and He's going to judge me and God doesn't like me and I've done something to tick God off and He's going to cause this to happen and hailstones are going to fall on my head and kill me and he's going to burn my house down and I got these boils and I got these lumps and I got this cancer and I got these tumors and God just must be mad at me. That's not a revelation of the truth of God's word. That's not an understanding of the character and the nature of the God of this book. <laughs> That's good man-made theology. You're doing good in some settings. Unfortunately, it's just completely contrary to what the Word of God declares about him. Amen? So Colossians chapter 1, the blood of Jesus says, Peace, for it pleased the Father, verse 19, that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross, through the blood of Jesus Christ. And you who once, past tense, were alienated, past tense, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. So you used to be, but you ain't anymore. Amen? Amen. Praise God. He's made peace through the blood of his cross. Verse 22, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his 
sight. Peace. Peace means to establish harmony. To establish harmony. To make one accord. To unify. To bring unity. It also has the definition of consistency and agreement. The peace that has been given to us and God has made through the blood of Jesus Christ guarantees, praise God, that the kindness of God is made available to anyone who is in sin. I said the peace that God has made through the blood of Jesus Christ guarantees that the kindness of God... Titus chapter 3 says, when the kindness of, the God, of God and our Father appeared toward men. The kindness of God. The kindness of God. How many of you have received the kindness of God? Amen? Amen. Some people may be here this morning or you may be listening to this sermon like, kindness? I thought he was a jerk. I thought we just told the line so we don't get in trouble. You might want to read the book. Guarantees God's kindness towards sinners that come to him for salvation. He doesn't hold it against us. Why? Because he's made peace with us through the blood of Jesus Christ. He doesn't come up and say, you know what, Sam, I've been waiting for you to get here so that way I could personally hand you cancer because you made me mad when you treated Pastor Brian that way. Made me so mad. So, Pastor Brian, you're saying that the kindness of God is extended to sinners because of the peace of he's made with the blood of Jesus Christ, but what about the judgment? We're talking about a dispensation of grace. God is just. People will pay. If they refuse the payment, they will have a receipt, as it were, of their records of wrongdoing. But if they've, if they've received the payment and redemption has been given to them, it's been offered, but they've received it, and then they put it over here on their bill, then the balance is zero and it's paid in full. So I'm not saying that God's not just and he's not going to judge. On the contrary, he's going to. He already did. And you and I can get in on that through faith. Faith in whom? Faith in Jesus. Faith in what? The blood of his cross. There is a dispensation where the church age will end. And then God, you know, global warming isn't going to kill this earth. And I know that people say, well, you're just a right-wing conservative wag job. Okay, cool. Also, I'm a scholar and a Bible reader. <laughs> Just saying. You know how I know that the polar ice caps are not going to melt? Because God said he'd never flood the earth again. Ever. Ever. You got the naysayers saying, well, God's judgment, God's judgment, God's judgment. Calm down, bro. He put his judgment on Jesus. So he wouldn't put it on us. We can escape, having escaped judgment. Why? Because of his blood. It's just the scriptures. We're just talking the Bible again. There'll be a day. And I shake every single one of us to our core and say, who around me, who among me, who in my family, and who at work, and who at school, and who do I know in my neighborhood, and in the gatherings that I go to, and the friends, the circle of friends that I have, and acquaintances and company, who among me have not received that payment that God is going to demand someday? And the only thing that we can say is, man, I went to church and I tithed and I was a good Christian, so I get to go to heaven. Oh, no, that's not what we can say. That's right. Different sermon. The only thing that we can say is the blood of Jesus Christ has availed for me. Yeah. 
I was guilty and lost and broken and undeserving and unworthy, but the kindness of God appeared to me. <laughs> God demonstrated his love for me and that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. And so I've taken that that he offered up willingly and freely, knowing exactly what it was that he would suffer and exactly what it was that he would endure. And I've received that by faith. And there's thanksgiving in my heart because I couldn't do it on my own. I was lost and without strength. I was cut off. So when I stand before God, the only acceptable answer is I've been washed, which we're going to get to in a moment. You, I have peace with you, God, not because of a single thing that I have done, but I have peace with you, God, because Jesus' blood guaranteed it for me. Amen. That he made a way that I could come to you and say, without Christ, I have no attempt to come to God. I have no approach to be able to get to God. But because of his blood, I can come right up close and say, you're my father and I need your help. And there are days that I miss it, and there are days that I do good, and I wish that the latter would be true more often. I want to do good. Why? Not so I can get saved, but because I am saved, and I want to honor you, and I want to walk worthy of the life that you've given to me. Yeah. Pastor John Osteen said this, and it changed my life. I, he, he's ministered, uh, well, he's in heaven now, but some of the sermons that he's preached have just kind of, you know, you take a piece of paper or a cloth and you just put a crease in it, it doesn't go away very easy. It's noticeable, right? And some of the sermons that God gave this man have creased my life in ways that are just unbelievable. And I thank God for men and women of God who, famous or not, just that they're right, that it's truth and it helps us. Amen? And he made a comment. He said, if there's one thing that caused the ministry of Lakewood Church to grow, other than they teach the Bible, it's because they proclaim the kindness of God to sinners. Now, Lakewood Church went from being like 200 people in the back of a dog food barn to one of the largest churches that America has ever had, seemingly overnight. Now, now notice I didn't say that he said we started cheating and saying anybody can do anything, we don't care. It's not what he said. He said one of the major things that caused Lakewood Church to grow is that we preached the kindness of God to sinners. They already know that they're lost. <laughs> Most of them will tell you, you, you'll hear them say things like, oh, I can't go there. God will strike me dead. Last time I went to church, I, it burnt down. <laughs> I can't go. You know what I mean? You ever heard any of those things? Yeah, well, that's ignorance. They're not stupid. That's just ignorance. It's not true. And so my response is, I actually talk to him all the time, and he doesn't do that anymore. So come on out. It'll be all right. <laughs> I do. I talk, I talk to him a bunch, a lot, and, and he's not into that anymore. Just stay close. <laughs> he said, uh, concerning the body of Christ, the church, not Lakewood, but the, the pulpits of America, he says, we've preached hell hot, sin black, and judgment sure. And sinners already know. They already have enough of that on the inside of them. They already know that. We're not to preach the problem, he said. We're to preach the solution. They already know that their life sucks. They already know that they feel pain. They already know that they feel alone. They already know that they're desperate and they have no hope. You can see it in their eyes. 
The wealthiest among sinners is absolutely empty and has nothing. And at the core of their being, they know it. They know it. That's why you hear testimonies of people saying, man, I had it all. I had the house and the wife and the cars and the kids and the stuff and the career. And then I came to Jesus and I had everything. The blood of Jesus Christ declares over you and I the peace of God towards you. The blood of Jesus Christ declares to the Father peace. There's peace here. You don't have to judge them. They're in me. They've received my sacrifice. The debt has been paid. The judgment has already been poured out. Amen. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13. The fourth thing that the blood of Jesus says to you is, and this is awesome. We really love this, especially in the modern church, because, you know, it's just real fun. We belong to God. We're not our own. In fact, we're his property. We're his property. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12, it says, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify, that he might set apart for a holy use to the purpose and plan of God, is what the word sanctify means. So you were picked up, moved over here, set aside, and he said, they're marked. You belong to God now. Jesus Christ, according to the word of God here, 13, verse 12, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood with his own blood the blood of jesus christ says you don't belong to yourself close your mouth we don't need your opinion you don't belong to yourself we don't we don't need your great idea we need you to start doing some of the great ideas that we we talked about here that doesn't mean you're a mindless robot or a zombie that means your opinion's already been given to you you just maybe haven't read it yet <laughs> It's all right here, laid out for us. Amen? That he might sanctify us with his own blood, set apart from profane things and dedicate to God. We sanctified Alistair this morning. That's exactly what we did. He's three years old. He can't be born again. He doesn't have an understanding of his accountability for his sin. So what did we do? We sanctified him by the blood of Jesus. We set him apart and said, God, his family want him to be marked out that he belongs to you. We sanctified him. That's what happens. Set apart from profane things, dedicated to God, purified by cleansing externally to purify from the guilt of sin, uh, to purify internally by renewing the spirit. Sanctified. Amen? There are people that are trying to be sanctified in church. They're like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And, and you know, just because I'm fat doesn't mean I don't like fasting. It's just people try to get sanctified by fasting. If I starve myself long enough, you must hear me. There are people, not everybody who fasts does that. But there are people who are trying to jump through that hoop to get God to see them, and God already sees them. Now, you want to do that to get a certain aspect of your life under control and say, hey, my spirit's in charge of this body, and God's spirit is in charge of my spirit. So flesh, you're just going to have to shut up, sit in the back, buckle up. We don't need your opinions. So if you want to do that by, by putting the flesh under through fasting, that's fine. You can fast whatever you want to. You can starve yourself from food, starve yourself from ESPN, starve yourself from Fox News, starve yourself from Facebook. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I want you to look at the, the 19th verse for just a moment. 6, 19, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? Question mark, vocal inflection. 
You were bought at a price. I thought that it was freedom, and I could just do it. No, 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 you were bought. The Apostle Paul, and this is kind of a, a taboo word, but the, the word wasn't bad. Paul talks about being slaves, and that word is doulos, and it means a love slave. You're shackled to God because of love. His love for you and your love for him. You're shackled to him. You've come, you've come under the bondage, as it were, of his love. Jesus said, I'm going to put a yoke on you. He said it would be easy and his burden would be light, but it, you're still yoked. You still belong to God. You're his property. Amen. Amen. We're sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Didn't you know this? Didn't you know this? He said, glorify God in your body in in your spirit, which, by the way, are God's. People say, well, it's my body. No, it isn't. I can just do whatever I want with my body. No, you can't. It did say that, right? Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God's, which are God's. It's talking about both. Your body and your spirit both belong to God. Amen? Well, you're real happy about that. So let's go over to the 11th verse. And it says, and such were some of you. Now 9 and 10 is talking about different sins. And those are labels that people would put on sins. Such were some of you, but you were, past tense, washed, past tense. And you were sanctified, past tense. But you were justified in the name of the Lord, by the Spirit of God. How was I washed? By His blood. The prophet says, though our skin, sins excuse me, were like scarlet, he would wash us white as snow. Wash. How? With his blood. We've been washed. Amen. So the blood of Jesus said, I wash that away from them. That guilt, that embarrassment, that shame, I wash that away from them. That failure, that shortcoming. Amen. I've washed it away from them. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Don't turn there for the sake of time. It's talking about the, the uh, saints coming out of the tribulation. It says that by the blood of Jesus Christ, they've overcome him. We have overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Amen. That word literally means washed, means loosed. Jameson Fawcett and Brown says this. It says the, the oldest manuscripts actually read freed. You have been freed. He has freed us from the bond or loosed us from the bond of sin. He says one very old manuscript actually reads that uh, we're loosed us. He's loosed us by virtue of his blood. Loosed us from what? Loosed us from guilt. Loosed us from sin. Loosed us from shame. Amen? Loosed, washed, freed by his blood. Amen. There's, a, there's a, a picture where the priests, before they would go on and put on a, a holy, they would call it a robe or a garment, they'd go and put on this garment, and they would minister at the altars before God and before the people of God. They would wash themselves to cleanse themselves, to loose themselves of anything. And it was a symbol for you and I. We come before God as priests, and we're washed. We have a robe of righteousness. We put on a, a holy garment, a holy robe. 
And so this picture of being washed in the blood of Jesus, and the blood of Jesus says to you, you were washed, you were cleansed, you were justified, you were sanctified. That's, you, you have everything that you need to be able to stand before the presence of a living, holy God. Why? Because you've been washed in the blood. You've been prepared to go and minister before him. I don't mean preach in the pulpit. That means worship him. Give to him your time, your talent, your treasure. Partake from the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Minister, serve others, and help others. You have everything that you need. Amen. First John chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through verse 10. We're not going to quote this, but the Bible tells us two different times. I think it's in the seventh verse that we are cleansed from sin. He says... We have fellowship, verse 3, with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4, these things we write to you that your joy may be full. 5, this is the message which we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. This is 7. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. First John 1, 9, if we sin, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse or purify us from all unrighteousness. Amen. So the blood of Jesus says you're cleansed. The blood of Jesus says you're washed. The blood of Jesus says you have peace. The blood of Jesus says that you have an eternal redemption. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 11 through 15 he said that by himself, when he had by himself purged our sins, he presented his sacrifice, he presented his blood before the Father for us on our behalf. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11, if you'll turn there quick. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained an eternal redemption. How did he do that? By offering his own blood. So the blood of Jesus says to you and I, your redemption is eternal. Your salvation is eternal. How much more? It says, for the blood of bulls, 13 and goats, and the ashes of heifer sprinkling unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And this is the reason that he's the mediator of a new covenant by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. Man, heaven lasts as long as hell. Praise God for it. Amen. Amen. We so one-sidedly focus on judgment in hell that we sometimes forget heaven is a good place. Amen. When we were kids, Heather, you'll remember this probably, we used to go to Youth Haven Ranch as a Christian campground. Grandpa and Grandma worked there and one of the songs we used to sing in chapel is that heaven is a wonderful place. Heaven is a wonderful place. It's full of mercy and grace. I want to see my Savior's face because heaven is a wonderful place. And then someone would do the, I want to go there. Yeah, you remember that? She does. See, we're not that old. Heaven is a, a wonderful place. Amen. Praise God for it. 
We have eternal redemption. We belong to God. We have peace through the blood. We're redeemed by his blood. We're justified by his blood. Amen? And lastly, we have victory. Revelation chapter 12, and we'll close this out. Revelation chapter 10 says, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, and they have overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their own lives even unto death. Amen. We have victory. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Father, we thank you that your blood has been offered for us. The Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 1 about us being washed. It says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the rule over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. We thank you, Father, for the cleansing power, the redeeming power, the saving power, the justifying power, the eternal power, the possessing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we started this sermon this morning, we talked about there may be those who are here today in the sanctuary. There may be those watching, streaming this service who have not yet received the blood of Jesus. And it has been applied for you. It's been applied for them. And so, Father, I ask that you'd move on their hearts by the Holy Spirit right now as I give this opportunity to receive the sacrifice of Jesus. Move on their spirit. Move on their will. Illuminate their eyes. Let them see their need. Let them say, yes, Father. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning, you may be streaming live, watching this over the internet. If you have not received the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you personally. He did it for you intentionally. He did it for you personally. If you have not yet received that, if you haven't taken that and said, this was payment, now I move it over here to my bill of sin and I'm redeemed. If that's you and you haven't prayed a prayer to receive Jesus' sacrifice. You haven't made the decision to honor him, to give yourself to him and follow him. If you're here this morning, just lift your hand in the air and I'll see it. We're not going to embarrass you, but we're going to pray with you right at where you are and give you an opportunity to know him. So no one's looking but me. If you say, preacher, that's me, I want to pray. I want to receive the sacrifice of Jesus. Anyone? Praise the Lord. If you're streaming this service and that's you, I'd ask the congregation to stand to your feet if you would. If that's you and you haven't received the sacrifice of Jesus and you want to do this, we're all going to pray a prayer out loud together in the sanctuary. Wherever you are, you just pray that prayer. If you're watching it later tonight in your bedroom, do it. Pray this out loud. And then if you would, if you're watching on our website, just go down to the bottom and send us an email saying, hey, my name is such and such, and today I prayed with Pastor Brian and I gave my life to Jesus. I received his sacrifice. We would love to hear from you if that's you and you're visiting with us or streaming with us online. For those of us in the sanctuary, let's just say this together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the salvation that you have brought to humanity. 
freedom from spiritual death. Freedom from the sinful nature. You've given us life for death. You've given us joy. You've given us peace for mourning and sorrow. We have received the precious blood of Jesus Christ for our life, for our sins. We thank you. Your spirit is living inside, changing us from the inside out. We give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.